0: Kimberly Precocian of Rebel Restaurant on the show. Hello, how are you?
1: Hi, Levy. How are you?
0: Very nice to see you.
1: Nice to see you, too. Where'd you grow up? So I, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, Connecticut was not that important in my life, I feel like. But And then I ended up going to boarding school in Massachusetts. That's where I really started to see that the world was a lot bigger than my little suburban life in Connecticut. And um, that there were, I mean, I, I always knew there were people suffering and that uh, that was a real part of life. But I think at, at that school, it was something that was encouraged to be talked about and discussed and problem solved. And we would have meetings about diversity and uh, National Coming Out Day and having someone come in and talk about racism in the world and what it means. And what does it mean for me as like a young white female to be living in this world? And what is my opinion on this? And what is my position? And really finding a voice. And I really felt, I felt compelled to help make the world a better place after leaving there. So um, I was really intent when I was on, you know, planning going to school, going to college. Of course, if you go to boarding school, you plan to go to college. <laughs> There's not really a question there, but um, maybe there should have been, but there there wasn't. So I, when it came to applying for colleges and looking at what I wanted to do, I pretty much stayed in the Northeast area looking at places like Connecticut College and but so I I didn't really get into all of them. I was never a good tester, so my SAT scores weren't where they maybe should have been as a reflection of my grades. But Mount Holyoke is one school that doesn't require SAT scores, and it's a really good college. Well played. <laughs> so uh, so uh, it is an all ladies school, and I was definitely a little reluctant to be segregating myself as a college student, but ended up going there. Um, what was and, it like? I liked a lot of it. I didn't stay for four years, so there's a reason I left. But no, I I made a lot of good friends. You know, being with all women is uh, different (laughs) than being, uh, you know, how it is in real life. But um, And not just all women, but really the, the women that go there are really, really driven, really dedicated to their work, really interested in work. So basically, I went to college the first two years with the girl in high school who was 15 minutes to class, but everyone was that girl. So I remember, like, so I was a critical social thought major at Mount Holyoke, so I did a lot of, and actually, I, I, I've i always had a lot of interest, so I also was studying Spanish literature, uh, I wanted to do Latin American studies, so I was taking all these classes, but I remember going to my uh, psychology of racism class or something, and I it was a, I knew I was having an exam, I was ready for the exam, but I got there on time, and the whole room was full, and people were already, like, already taking their test. I'm like, shit, am I late, like, what, and I'm like, no, just, everyone's freaking early. This is so unfair. <laughs> They're like making me look so bad. But uh, a lot of different classes on different kinds of theory back to the 19th, from the 18th century up until current. Um, and I was kind of focusing on how we form our identity and this kind of stuff. And That's an
0: interesting time to be focusing on that. You know Yeah, what I mean? in college. As and you're doing it yeah, yourself. Yeah, you know definitely.
1: What I mean? And I, I was really interested by how we builds an identity of ourselves in the context of other people. So, like, how does society affect who we become and, like, who we see ourselves as? And I still am completely, I love that. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons I kind of thrive in the restaurant world is just because I love people and meeting people, and I kind of really want to know, like, who people are at the core and be authentic. Like, and I think that's what was interesting to me what was compelling to me with doing that major was being really looking at how do we be as most authentic to ourselves and true to ourselves and how can that make the world a better place kind of and yeah but I ended up leaving.
0: Why do you think you did that?
1: (laughs) Well so I I had always done art as well so I definitely I still consider myself an artist even though I haven't done a painting in like three years probably but um, ever since I could hold a pencil. My parents said I was always drawing. So there's like pictures of me two years old, like drawing and drawing and always kind of as an observer, like looking at the world around me and recording it almost was, is kind of what a lot of my art is about. And my first years in college, I didn't really, I wasn't doing a lot of art. I was kind of more focused on these academic pursuits. And then I ended up taking an art class And I hadn't done it in a really long time and I just like fell in love all over again with it. So, um, and my teacher was really supportive. So I was kind of thinking about doing that and um, my roommate at Mount Holyoke, her girlfriend is an artist. She had gone to Cooper Union, she was going to Cooper Union at the time and at the same time I met this guy who lived in New York and my best friend at Mount Holyoke was from New York and New York suddenly seemed a lot more appealing. I just remember being like, I love New York. I love the energy. I love the lights. I love the the people watching, being able to like, you, you have everything here that's just like all culture, all what like the human species is kind of about. And I just, I loved it. Loved New York. And I always knew I would move here. I remember telling my mom, like, I'm going to move to New York someday. It's going to happen. And she's like, okay, sure. Like, no, that's not going to happen, but you can keep thinking about that. But when I I told them, um, yeah, that I wanted to take a year off and go to New York and uh, they were fine with it as long as I could support myself and they didn't have to worry about any of the money with it. So, and yeah, talking with um, Sonia, my roommate's girlfriend, I was like, you know what, I can go to New York. I can study art for a bit and then kind of see what I want to do after. So I moved to New York and I started working in restaurants. And um my first job was at Virage on Second Avenue and Seventh Street, little French bistro. I walk into Virage and and the owner he comes over. I am handing my resume to the busboy. I'm like, oh I, you know, if you're looking for anybody, like this is my resume. And the owner comes over, he's he was a really fierce, like Moroccan guy. He's like, he's like, what do you have? I was like, oh, this is my resume. Like I'm a nice little 19 year old girl from Connecticut. Like, <laughs> please take it. And he's like, how old are you? I was like, oh, I'm 20. Well, really 19. And he's like, oh. he looks at my resume. He's like, okay, thank you. I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to get a job in New York. This is terrible. But they called me back the next day. So, um, I came back and I just like, was like, I got to get this job because otherwise I can't move to New York and I can't be with this guy and I can't be with my friend. Like this has to happen. So, um, yeah, I just, I... I remember, like, thinking they weren't going to hire me, but I was going through the training. And then I asked the girl, Elizabeth, who was training me, I'm like, so do you think they're going to hire me? She's like, oh, girl, don't worry. She's like, you're trained. You're totally in. It, doesn't, it was, like, the most relaxed, like, I mean, not really relaxed, but it was um, high-volume, like, French bistro, East Village. And it's definitely the first time I got exposed to, like, dining out in New York, even if it's on a more casual level. And there definitely wasn't, like, a focus on wine. I remember serving serre, but I didn't really know – that it was Sauvignon Blanc or like where it was from in the world. I knew, I was like, oh, this is like classy, like nice people buy the Sancerre bottle. Like the Chianti is the thing that we pour by the glass. But the owners there, they were, one of them was really into food. And I remember he went to Danielle with one of the servers that they were, they were kind of dating, but he took her to Danielle for her graduation gift. And this was in 10 years ago. So this was in 2006.
0: Probably a different time economically. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely a different time. And I was never in the position that I know my mentors have been in where they were serving wine in the 2000s and opening these crazy things. I was opening Sancerre in the early 2000s. <laughs> so actually, I remember I was like so afraid I was going to lose my job because I could not open a wine bottle tableside to save my life.
0: One time I um, was trying to open up a bottle of champagne.
1: Uh, and, uh... Oh God, I don't even <laughs> want to do that now tableside.
0: <laughs> Obviously before the era of the Sabre. <laughs> I got so nervous that I ended up bobbling it and it dropped onto the floor. (laughs) And it went between the lady and the back of her chair with the the bottle neck facing down. So it went, Um, like the liquid went down her back. Then it went out of her chair and then it landed on the ground. And then literally, this is true, it spun around like a pinwheel. (laughs) I guess it had been a little shaken up before, I'm not sure.
1: Or it got and shaken up when it fell down.
0: <laughs> it was one of those things that like no one on the staff ever looks at you the same ever again.
1: No, I know. That's it's that's bad. it sticks with you. Yeah. You learned how to open champagne table side after that really well. Right? Yeah, I
0: don't know. I remember before that the bartender used to come out from behind the bar and open it for me. <clears throat> but I think that was kind of the the last straw and I figured out that maybe I needed to learn how to do this. Yeah.
1: It's like that. when you fuck up really bad, you kind of no, take make yourself the, recover. Yeah.
0: In general, I don't do small fuck ups. That's not my <laughs> style. I really... If there's one well, thing... Well, that's even
1: better recovery then. That's good. <laughs>
0: like for me, let, let's just put it this way. If I'm doing a recording and I lose the recording, oh it's God. not like with some random person who lives down the street that I can just invite back. It's with Jances Robinson. <laughs> like <laughs> someone who happened? lives like in another country. No. Who, like, you've never really met or have any relationship with. And who's, like, super famous and, like, not so chill. So, (laughs) that's that's my style. Like, when the fuck-up happens, it tends to go, you know, full blast.
1: Well, it makes me feel better.
0: I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) I've had my share. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, we all have. It's. It was a, actually a table that taught me how to open a really gracious couple who owned a bar. They're like, don't worry, we'll show you, like, how to open this bottle. That was pretty and, nice. And after that, I I got it. We could do it. So that was in 2006. And then fast forward to, like, 2011, I think. Yeah, I... um. I mean, I kept working in different like restaurants and cafes. I I worked at a cafe on Prince Street. That's where I met my husband who is, was an owner there and a cook. And he had worked with Danielle at Cafe Blute. So, and he had gone to culinary school and done work in different places and working with him was kind of, and, you know, falling in love was kind of the first time that we, he was teaching me sort of like what fine dining was. And like, and teaching me how to cook. So actually it was more like cooking that led me into wine. So I would I worked at the cafe while I was in school, but I would it was very flexible. And that was the reason that I also stayed working there. Kind of helps that my boyfriend was one of the owners. So I worked there and then in my free time I would be cooking a lot. And so I was actually at this point, I, I ended up staying in New York and I studied at Hunter. And I was studying fine art and psychology, so kind of combining both the things that I liked. And then um, I was finishing my degree, but in all my free time, I was, like, uh, I didn't have a ton of free time, but I was cooking whenever I could. And I just kind of, like, fell in love with the process of that and, like, tasting and seeing the different flavor combinations. I was thinking, like, I really want to open my own place or maybe I want to get into the the kitchen, (laughs) actually, was what I was thinking for a while
0: well follow the money right <laughs> yeah.
1: my boyfriend my now husband was like don't freaking do that he's like that's such a terrible idea we can't have both of us be really broke he's like yeah are you sure like that that's really what you want to do maybe um maybe not but I I was still thinking about that when um I ended up I just had so many different interests so I was do- kind of all over the place I ended up graduating college was still taking like painting classes the cafe, we were kind of like, I was helping them kind of change the menu around and like add different, um, yeah, adding different dishes and, and maybe, and we kind of redid the design inside and stuff like that. And, um, at the same time, uh, I did want to be making more money because I wasn't making enough really anymore. And, um, it was so, I was really kind of thinking about that, but it was Mercury retrograde. So I wasn't looking for a job at that time. (laughs) But uh, the guy there, I was like, you know what? If someone offers me something, I'll take it. And then uh, this this guy, Sandy, came by. He had come to the cafe a bunch. And he was riding his bike. He stopped in front of the cafe. And he's like, hey, you. He's like, I need you to come work for me. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll come work for you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> and he was opening the Bowery kitchen that eventually turned into Pearl and Ash. So... <laughs>
0: That was the job interview? Hey, yeah, you. Yeah, kind of.
1: Yeah, like, he, he's come in a bunch, and hes that was the first thing. And it's so – it anyone that knows astrology out there, I don't know if that's really our listener base, but it's so, like, Mercury retrograde. Like, on the bike, really random, just kind of be like, hey, you, come come work for me. I'm like, what the f- – this is, like, too weird for me to say no. So, yeah. Um, so I said yes. So I, I, I was. He and then I, I, They were opening. He had no idea what he was doing. You could have got a clue from the way that he asked me to come work for him. Um, but so they. No, no, that's
0: actually a shocker <laughs> to me. You're saying that's not how the Fortune 500 does it.
1: <laughs> but so he's opening this restaurant around the corner from Prince on Bowery between Prince and Spring, and um, it was called the Bowery Kitchen and they were opening the restaurant like in a week and they didn't have any staff yet and he found some staff including myself and we he had me come the night of the opening first time and do the run of friends and family so how was that that was it was total shit show <laughs> wow. but all the good intentions I ended up making a lot more money than I, I was making, so I was happy.
0: Sympathy tips? <laughs> <before I like. laughs>
1: kind of. It was like it got to the point where it was just like me on the floor sometimes and I would have the whole room and it was all cash, so I did okay, but the restaurant was not doing well and I, I knew I wasn't going to be staying there, but it was more like middle time for me where I'm like, okay, so I'm just making more money and then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do and um, I had too like so many interests and too many interests. I like culture. I like travel. I like eating. I like tasting. I like being being, like creative and interacting with guests and like the way the methods behind the craft and uh, I was looking for a way into something that would fit all of those things and I was just like putting it out there to, to the universe I'm like I need somebody who I want to like be the best I, that I can be and taking the interest that I have and I really want somebody who can like take me under their wing and show me how to do this. That's, like, what I want. And I don't know how it's going to form, but, like, give it to me, please. And so I was working there. And then I was watching, I remember watching the documentary about Corton opening. Paul Liebrandt. So that's where Richard Quo had worked before Frey and before Pearl and Ash. And Richard's actually in the documentary. Yeah, I remember watching it. And the next day, Richard came into the restaurant, uh, Sandy, in his own, you know, his kind of way he's like hey we're gonna fire everyone in the kitchen and we're hiring this guy i'm like why are you telling me this (laughs) i'm just a server here like okay (laughs) and um and so he's like yeah he worked at cortan i'm like oh that's weird that's cool i was just watching a documentary about that place yesterday and um richard i met him he was freaking really scary so scary. He's such a but we became friends uh eventually. But at first I was just terrified of him. He came in. He's a I think a great chef. And I think in um He's a very intense person. And at, at kind of the place that I work at, I feel like it draws really intense people there. And Richard it, is also that. So he he's super particular. He's really precise. He knows what he likes and quick to criticize anything that he doesn't. So I was definitely scared of him. He came in. Uh, they fired everyone in the kitchen. And um, it was just him and another guy, Steve. And they decided to take over. They were going to be Pearl and Ash. So they hired some guy <laughs> from Craigslist to be the manager. He gravitated towards me for uh, whatever reason. He liked how I worked. And he was like, you know, you stand out from the group here. Like, I think you actually can do a really good job. I want you to, like, work with me and help me open the restaurant because we're going to reopen in a week. And... Um, yeah, I'm going to keep going with my loony self. It was a full moon. I was like, OK, this is a good like seems I checked it after. I was like, OK, you know what? Maybe this is like a good thing. I'll say yes to this. So I went with it. And um, uh, yeah, and so I helped him kind of do more of the opening stuff. But anyways, fast forward and eventually Brandon comes on. He's one of the partners in the business that owns now Pearl and Ash and Rebell he came on and it was just me and him most of the servers had kind of fallen off they weren't really involved anymore and he was like what are you doing here oh okay you're helping the manager who is not here anymore well sure, you can help me until it doesn't make sense anymore. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll get kicked out when I'm like useless, but I'll keep doing this. And then he kind of, you know, Brandon, he has a pretty hefty resume of like having worked at Alinea, um, having worked with Jean-Georges, The Modern, and it was him and Richard and then Patrick who came on a few weeks later who really started opening the doors uh, and windows and everything for me of being like, this is the culinary world. This is, I mean, not that what I had been doing before isn't, but like food and wine and beverage and service bringing all of that to a new level of like refinement and being more like serious. I never had really known anyone that was like a career server. I never knew a sommelier. Like, I didn't know what that was. And that was with Brandon, who had worked as a sommelier. But he was the one that was starting to see in me like this hunger to know more. And I think, actually, I don't really know to this day why he thought it would be a good idea for me to be a sommelier. But I'm really appreciative to that because I'm like love my job and love what I'm doing. And he was the one that almost like saw it before I even could see it had the I couldn't even see it because I didn't know it existed. That's a
0: skill. I think that
1: it's a skill that I I agree. I think that he Brandon has uh, a great skill to see in people, their capabilities, even if they can't see it themselves and challenge them to do it. You know, sometimes You know, he might not be 100% correct about what he sees in somebody, or maybe maybe he is correct, but that isn't what that person wants, and they want to do something different. But sometimes it aligns, and I think with me, it it did. And um, I'm super appreciative for that because, like I said, I wouldn't be doing this if he hadn't first lit that fire underneath me and been like, what do you think? He's like, not even what do you think. He's like, you're going to do this. (laughs) But I mean, no, he did at first ask me, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm like, what? I can do that for a job? drink wine and like learn about it and talk to people about it and travel and like learn about the winemakers and farming and whoa biodynamics even includes astrology that's really cool like yeah this is definitely what i want to do and so it was uh before patrick came brandon had talked to me about that and i so i i took classes with american sommelier association and started delving into the world of like The studies behind wine and understanding wine and tasting wine. And but it wasn't really until I was started working with Patrick that I really got to taste and kind of have my world be like thrown upside down in that way. Patrick came and yeah, I started to know this guy who would come in and had he had like a million wine bottles in the kitchen prep area and he had his headphones plugged in and he's just like head down doing work, like putting the bottle, stickering bottles, putting them away. I'm like, whoa. He seems nice and that seems fun and then uh, when we were open he started asking me if like I wanted to like help him with stuff so i was super down and ready and um, anything he needed done i was i was helping him do inventory at first eventually i was like doing intakes of orders and putting bottles away and it became a lot eventually. So uh, I kind of, but if the the breaking point, I was working as a server when we opened and then, but I was still doing these things for free, coming in early and just working with him hours before our service. And then uh, he had one service that I wasn't working. I was putting, we had like cases above my head to get put away and stickered. And we only had three Eurocov's at the time. So we had to put one bottle in the Eurokov and the rest stayed in the case. And we had to make sure sure the case was labeled and like you'd be able to find it and we also had like um the condensers in the room at the time which is really really bad but it wasn't for that long and it, it was like i so i actually had like heat rashes from like working in there um yeah we changed that quickly but the so i was doing that kind of stuff and um he had a crazy service. I don't know. You may have been there even, but there was like everybody who's who in the wine world was upstairs and it was just him on the floor and his head was like spinning around and he was losing himself because he couldn't keep up with the amount of bottles that were going out and he didn't really have any support. And, you know, he was a consulting wine wine director. This was not planned to be part of Pearl and Ash's identity when we were opening the restaurant. So it was becoming very clear very quickly that there was no separating the wine from the food at Pearl and Ash and that you know on some level the wine surpassed the food and it was like the identity of this place and Patrick I mean there was no way he could have left but so he needed and he needed help so he's told me like I need you to commit to helping me like I need you to be on the floor with me running bottles like getting bottles for me and that's like what it's going to be and it's not going to be a lot of money and I think I got two and a half points on the floor so it was like change pretty much, but it's a great learning experience. And like, if you're ready to do it, like, I want you to be doing this. And, you know, at this point I was just learning like what the Rhone was and like how to like read bottles and like, didn't really have a concept of like what regions were what, but, um, and I knew this, I'm like, why is he asking me to do this for him? But well, I can't say no, like I have to do this. So, so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And, um, but I was like, I can't serve anymore. If this is like, I, it's too much for me to be doing both. And I know it's like a huge pay decrease, but like, is it okay if I step off the floor? So, and just do like wine running and intake of like cellar stuff. And so that's when it started. And it was really when you're like with Patrick on the, being with Patrick on the floor was just this amazing experience. And I, yeah, and I still am with Patrick on the floor, and it's an amazing experience, too, still. And he's um, one of my favorite people, and I feel...
0: Why do you think that is?
1: Um, He's very gracious, and he's super loyal. And I am def- like forever indebted to him for taking a chance with me. And I, similar to Brandon, I don't know exactly why he took a chance with me. But I believed that like he saw something that maybe I didn't see in myself yet. And we like hang out and he's funny and he makes jokes. And he his approach to wine is like super real and super authentic. And it's just about like passion for the wines that he's serving. And... And that's very real to me. That speaks to me and it speaks to me, like it speaks to the way that I like to live and the way that I like to do my work and do what I do. You know, we do blind tastings together and the first question is always like, it's not even a question. The first thing that we say is like either like, oh, this is really good or like, I don't really like this wine. If it's really good, that's like that's the biggest thing. It's not like oh, where is it from or what is it. It's like about enjoying it, and I love that. And that speaks to people too, because like most customers, it's really good to know all of the like the foundational facts about a wine because it helps you you understand wine on another level. But if you're telling a guest, most guests they don't really care, and it actually doesn't help them understand the wine. It like further mystifies wine for them. So like you have to be able to speak to people about wine like it is which is it's just like a really delicious beverage that you can enjoy and and not just that you can enjoy but you can learn to articulate flavors and the senses in a way and I kind of I love I do love that aspect of it too it's like it's not something that a lot of people focus on is how do we talk about the senses how do we talk about taste how do we talk about smells whereas like with my background in art like there's art historians and there's galleries and people like writing papers about, like, comparing different pieces of art or, like, an era. But for wine, there isn't so much that. At least for me, I, like, love developing that part of my wine knowledge, too.
0: What was the opening like?
1: It was a really great. Because, like I said, I mean, it was initially Richard and Patrick and Brandon. And they are three really intense and, like, beautiful electric kind of personalities, I think. And in different ways. And they kind of... Kind of together, they stirred this beautiful brew of, like, a place that was exciting to go to, to drink at, to be rowdy at, to, like, bring your friends to, to, like, just um, kind of, you know, sometimes definitely be, like, debaucherous and crazy. But it was, like, a free space where that was totally encouraged and fun and fine and we're sabering things off the bar and, and, like, you can saber, too. Not really anymore, but like <laughs> some dangerous things happened. But it was uh it was like a really fun spot. And you like, and we made wine accessible to people from everywhere. Um, like whether you were more like I was at that point, didn't really know anything, and you could start tasting things and like see what you did like, or you just appreciate like classic older wines, you know, maybe higher prices on the list, but they're still really accessible and priced well for you, and you understand that. Like it was kind of like there was a spot. the list for everybody in different price ranges and different regions and different styles. And that was exciting. Yeah. And Patrick knew it from the beginning too. Like that's what he wanted to do. And I really admire that, that there was a drive and a vision and like a follow through. And like, it was all from a place of passion. There was no other reason. It wasn't like a business model. It was just like, we're going to do something really fun and good. Really um, inspiring to be part of that and energizing and I just like I, I worked from like from January 1st to like April not that I was counting but no days off but it was like that's how energizing it, it was it was like so exhilarating to be part of that I didn't mind and I just wanted to be there and I'd be there for like 12 hours and even after the opening it's like continued but um, I didn't mind doing the work when it's like for something that's bigger than it felt bigger than ourselves was like this thing that was going to change the way wine was experienced for people for the better. What were the
0: ups and downs? Were there ups and downs?
1: That I had no life outside of it, I think, was hard. <laughs> like, so I kind of decided I was going to marry Constantine during this time. Because <laughs> I was like, he's the best. He's like, uh, my, my husband was like, I was like, oh, I'm like, never home. He's like, you're doing the right thing. Like, you have to do this. This is So, I mean, that, that was hard, but I had great support from him. And... Um, and he understood the opportunity, too. Like, it's it's not something that you get all the time. I actually kind of thought I was going to get fired the whole time. I remember, like, we were open for, like, a couple of weeks where it was a very quiet opening. and And the owner had come in, and I was serving the table. And I was the only server on the floor, actually. And we just had six tables. So I was kind of panicky. The owner came in with, like, ten people. And they ordered a bottle of wine. And I was pouring it. And I guess I was pouring it like all over the table. He said like I was not pouring into the glass. And I'm like, Brandon's like, you know, uh, Alex wanted to fire you today. I'm like, shit. I'm I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like, he said you were pouring all over the table. He's like, you better go home and practice your pours. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like. I'm doing stuff like going home and, like, practicing with a wine bottle filled of water, like, how to pour the wine bottle, you know? It's, like, little stuff that's really big stuff when it comes to, like, doing correct service. And and, um, it's embarrassing when... And, and I get nervous and I definitely remember being nervous the first few weeks being open, uh, opening a restaurant with people who were very serious about what they're doing, knew their, their, you know, their everything about the, the food and wine world. And I just had to like step my game up and I had to like do as much as I could with the few hours that I had to learn the things I didn't know. And, I feel like you did that. Yeah, I mean, it was really hard. Especially, I did I did watch Patrick go through a tough period because he was kind of the one that had. I'm Richard did too in a way, but you know Patrick had a lot to lose by being there because he had a grand awarding list at Gilt, and he had a lot of benefits and structure, like like reliability and stability from that place and had already kind of established a reputation that he could count on. And so opening a place uh, that was nothing, had no real, like, predigree or, like, backing um, was definitely taking a jump and a leap, and it was very hard for him. You know, I wouldn't say very hard for him, but it was – there were moments where it was stress-inducing and it was a reality kind of set in that was, like – oh, this is actually, I could make or break myself doing this. And i he, he may have not always thought about that while he was doing it. Or it didn't really come to a, a realization until like, yeah, we had a couple of reviews initially that were, they, people didn't really know what to do with us. And it wasn't until Pete Wells gave the review that was like, no, this place really is doing something special and different. And it had a lot to do, and he, you know, was, like, ever since opening, there's, like, the Batman light over the building of, like, this is the place to drink wine. And Patrick's personality really, like, radiated through the service, and I think his approachability, the thing that, you know, that I really admire about, like I said already about his service, just making wine, like, very understandable and relatable, uh, he did for Pete Wells every time he came in. and And he remarked on that, and he's, like, this guy – is unique and special and should be like acknowledged as such and so that was a relief of the buildup of stress of not knowing you know like what's really going to happen here and and so I mean ultimately it ended up being good.
0: How did your relationship with Patrick change over time?
1: We've gotten closer I mean he's been my mentor colleague for like three years and we've
0: it's been three years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like a little more than three years. And wow. You know, I didn't actually
0: realize yeah, that.
1: And, and he like tells me when I mess up and he tells me like, now that I'm in charge of rebel's program, he asked me if I wanted that responsibility when we were at Pearl and Ash, he's like, you can stay here and you can be in charge of Pearl. And that would be amazing. If you want to open Re- this new restaurant and do the wine list that would also be amazing. It's two different things, two different opportunities, and I'm letting you choose. And it
0: seems like a big step what you are yeah, taking.
1: Yeah, and it was kind of another moment where I was either sink or swim. Like, do I jump or do I stay? And I was, I decided to jump and go with it. And I had it's a great chance to open a wine list, and and at the same time, he was there by my side the whole time, so it wasn't like I was totally left in the kind of figure it out with no guidance. He was there to tell me, "What the fuck are you doing?" or like, "You can't do that." Or or uh, "Awesome." He's like, "Great. I didn't think about that." Or you know, kind of like guiding me as I was going through that process of and telling explaining how it's done. I mean, he so when when they decided that they were going to be opening a new, a new place and I decided to do the wine list for there, they kind of explained uh, the, their idea was the French and American wines, and whereas Pearl and Ash is a completely international wine list, um, that it's going to be kind of like a conversation piece between the two countries, a reflection of classic styles, more like developing and evolving wine styles and playful at the same time. Um, and then they explained the budget for the cellar and how much I have to spend and like where it's going to be and it was like up to me to start building the list and like b- tasting wines and bringing wines in. And it's kind of um, a scary prospect in a way. So eventually at Pearl, I was working as a SOM after I had worked as a wine runner. And then he, um, working as a SOM, you're like, oh, cool. Like, I love this wine list. I know this wine list now. And I I understand like how to talk to people about wine. And that's fun. But you don't really have to think about uh, money and you don't have to think about where holes are in the list or who are you skipping over who should you maybe like save for another time or any of that so when I and when I'm getting ready to build the list I'm like okay so what is that budget really gonna get from like how do I take the money that I'm being given and wisely purchase what I'm going to need and and you're also kind of predicting what your guests are going to want to drink too which you don't necessarily really know until after you're open because you have an idea of what you want it to be, but it sort of grows its personality in a way, like almost like a person. It kind of takes on its own thing. So you can plan as much as you want, but you have to be able to like have some room to give To Honestly, I didn't really have much of a plan when I did it, (laughs) which is probably not a great thing, but it's the working with Brandon and Patrick is interesting because they're pretty different and quite similar at the same time, but Brandon's much, very much a planner and Patrick is, less of a planner, although he is very particular. So Brandon, he'll check in and he'll be like, so like, how's the list coming? I'm um, like, well, I'm building it. I was, I'm like, I'm a little concerned that like, I'm either going to like run out of money or like, I'm not going to be buying the right things. And he's like, well, do you have a plan? Do you have it like all written down? Like you're buying these regions and like these price points and that you're going to be getting it from here and bringing it in and then, and then I'm like, no, I don't. And then I, like, talked to Patrick about it, and he was like, no, don't do that. (laughs) I'm like, shoot, what do I do then? But he's like, no, you just got to, like, buy what you like and what you're passionate about, and you'll, like, make sure you fit in all the price points that way. And so, I mean, that's what I did. And I spent a lot of time tasting with people that we've been working with. And I had a general idea, like, who I wanted to be on the list. And a lot of it was wines that I had been exposed to at Pearl and Ash, too. But it was interesting to see my own style kind of evolve as I was building the list. Because it was almost like at that time, when you write something down, it becomes much more real. And you start to see the patterns. And I'm putting the list together. And I'm realizing, oh, I must really like Burgundy a lot. Because I need to, like, maybe put a hold on this. But I love it. So And it goes really well with our food, so I think it makes sense. But it's cool to see, like, analyzing myself as I was building this list, I started to see kind of my own style develop, too.
0: Which kind of takes you back to school days, right? Yes. Like, it's kind of yeah. full circle there.
1: Yeah, like, building my own identity and kind of, yeah, and figuring out, like, who am I? Which was the <laughs> what goal is, originally, what is, right? Yeah, I mean, it's and it's something that I still think about a lot because – I think a lot of life to me is about figuring out or defining who you are but it, that definition isn't something that's stagnant it changes all the time and it changes based on your experiences and the people you meet and where you go and your environment and what you like today you might not like tomorrow or maybe you like it for different reasons and I think it's definitely a, a huge kind of theme of mine for sure. Yeah, happy. Yeah. Opening a restaurant and having it be having it be yours. It's not just mine. I mean, it really isn't just mine at all. We have, I have a huge team, an amazing team that I work with. And I've had the chance to be a mentor in that way too, which is really amazing. There are all these people that are working in the cellar nonstop. They help with opening for no reason other than their passion for what they do. And I think on some level, helping me and Patrick, because they like us (laughs) and we like them. Um, So I know it's really hard to do this job because it takes a lot of energy from you. And when you're running that race, it's like you want to give up. And so something I love about this opening is being able to give back to the people that I work with and explain to them like how I understand the frustrations. I understand the nerves. I understand uh, the difficulties. And like, I still feel all those things. I still get nervous talking to people that know way more than me, but like learning how to like deal with, um, with that and like revel in it and not be afraid of it and understand it's like a learning opportunity. And actually everything is just like a learning opportunity to like make yourself better. And if you're doing it for yourself and not for somebody else, you can't really mess it up because you're your own judge and like you're setting the par for yourself. I love that I've had the chance to kind of do that with them and work with Patrick in a different way where he, he's still, I mean, he's constantly teaching me and he's lately, I mean, a lot of it's been just teaching me how to like keep the list intact and making sure there's no holes in the list and constantly going through and, and always like being critical of what's there and what can we do better. And I don't want wine to be alienating. I want it to be welcoming and I want it to be fun and I want it to be creative. You want your personality to shine, but you more importantly want what you're representing to shine through you. Like, how can I do that better? And sometimes we don't do it the best. And then, you know, other times I think we get it. And so I try not to be too hard on myself when it's not the way that I want it to be. But I always, I think it's better to focus on like, what okay, so it's not what I want, but like, how can I make it that way? So it's been fun to do that. It's like more like my creative project, and I, I so I'm really happy that I decided to <laughs> to take the leap and open Rebel. You you learned so much doing different things, and it was definitely different than doing Pearl and Ash.
0: Were there things that were simpler than you thought they were going to be when you look back?
1: The simplest thing that is the hardest thing I think is saying I don't know sometimes, and it's so much more like honest, and people believe you. And I'm like, yeah, oh, never like thought that it, that was an option. You know, it's, it, it is. <laughs> and I definitely use it. Yeah.
0: What do you want in the future? What do you want?
1: My general life goal is to be happy. That's like what I want. Eventually, I think I, I would like to open my own place with my husband. That's like what I want.
0: Kimberly yeah. Precocian has found that being honest is something that she can do and that she's been rewarded for it. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Kimberly Precocian is the sommelier and wine buyer at Rebel restaurant in New York City. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs...